0: Hi, I'm Bill Osmolski, and this is the McIver Institute. Today we're joined by Representative Janelle Branchin for this edition of the McIver Newsmakers podcast. I always frame this thing with two angles, okay? Um, because there's what we know and there's what we suspect. And what we know is that election laws were broken in plain view, completely without consequence. We've got Green Bay where we had, there's pretty much no separation between the Democrat Party and the local government conducting the election. We've got Dan and Milwaukee County clerks telling people to lie on their applications. We got ballot harvesting operations. These are all against state law, all done out in the open. No, no conspiracies here. This, this happened. Nothing, and nothing was done about it. And then we've got the what we suspect. You know, there's, there are indications of election fraud. We don't have to go on a you know statistical theory or anything like that. We've got there was ballot curing with black pens. We had clerks completing absentee ballot forms with you know their best guesses. We had people using fake addresses. The UPS, just you know, the UPS boxes in La Crosse alone. We had a testimony from a, from a postal worker, you know, talking about how the ballot applications were post, were uh, were backdated. We've got late night ballot drops. We've got poll and recount observers being blocked. So there's something up here, and you're in charge of the committee trying to get to the bottom of it. So why don't you take us back to January about when you got started and just kind of give us the the brief once over of, you know, what you've done so far and kind of what direction you see this going in.
1: So the original conversations happened in regards to the Trump lawsuit, which was four items. It was ballot harvesting, ballot curing, the indefinite confined, and then finally the, um, the ability for harvesting in the park um these are things we haven't seen in 2020 these are the type of things that were all new to the election in which had been a handful before Mm -hmm. of electors and their ballots now became hundreds of thousands and and that was a real game changer for this election COVID Mm -hmm. really changed the election and how people decided to vote so in november and december we actually did open records requests for green bay because we had heard that the clerk there had quit weeks or i should say quit at the end of the year and weeks before the election was not available for the election. And what we got back in February was pretty shocking. We had conversations with the clerk from basically midsummer all the way through to two weeks before the election saying, listen, I don't trust these people. And we're thinking, who are these people? We don't know why these people are being bullying us, why they're making decisions for us, and we don't think they know our Wisconsin election laws. And what we found out these people were were basically operatives from New York having the ability to insert themselves into the clerk's office months before the election. And not only had they done it in Green Bay, but they had done it in Milwaukee, and they had done it in in, um, Kenosha, Racine, and Dane County. Excuse me, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, and... um,
0: Yeah, Dane County.
1: Dane County, so you know the, the question then becomes what exactly what we're doing and as we went through these emails we were surprised to see that they these five communities had signed contracts and basically allowed third party groups to insert themselves into the elections and we've never seen that before right and you're like well what were they really they were carrying ballots they their ballot carrying process which nobody knows what that meant was overruled and became the process that was used in Green Bay. Think about that for a minute. That you are now putting somebody who's from out of state in charge of that, that process. They also were asking how to run the machines on election day. Then you take the fact that these individuals, this Michael Spitzer Rubenstein from New York, is on the contract for the Hyatt, for the Kai Center, and says, Hey, nobody lets the doors open until Michael Spitzer, Rubenstein and a security team comes in. Think about that. I am now put the person that's opening the door on Election Day to a a third party person, not the clerk. Then you also add the fact in that they had all of the codes for the Internet. Oh, there were three, a public, a private, and one for quote-unquote sensitive machines. These are the type of things that, I mean, it's unbelievable to read. And then observers on election day had pictures of Michael Spitzer Rubenstein with a tag that said he was worked for the city of Green Bay, which Green Bay later admitted, no, he didn't work for us. What did that mean? Did, this guy was a data security expert. What exactly does that mean? Did he have the ability then to use a WIS vote as he's carrying ballots? What was his relationship? And we asked the mayor of Green Bay to come in and have a conversation. We were chastised as being some sort of political circus. And then we said the whole month of May, come on in. Come in at any point. Refused to even have that conversation with us. So here we are, how many months, almost a year later, and we have no idea how many Michael Spitzer Rubenstein's inserted themselves into elections in Wisconsin.
0: So, I know a lot of a big focus of your committee is to uh, produce bills, to produce laws, to ensure that this never happens again. And unfortunately, Evers has just been vetoing those left and right. Yeah. You know the other the the other aspect of this is these are already crimes. These are these, I mean, everyone's innocent are proven guilty, but what happened was a crime. You know, um, clerks are in charge of elections. To put someone else in charge is illegal. To let people that aren't don't work for the government access to ballots and machines is illegal. Where are we at on that? I mean, we know that the, the um, Brown County District Attorney is a Republican. We know that the Racine County District Attorney is a Republican. Where, where are the investigations outside of your committee? Have you heard anything about that?
1: Well, think about it. Racine, we did an open records request about the middle of March and we've been turned down. And we're not only turned down, but there's four other groups that have been turned down. And so we are probably going to have to go to court to get open records from Racine, which was the beginning of all this CTCL, Civic Tech for Civic Life, Mm -hmm. part of this $10 million that came to Wisconsin. So yeah, we're still being almost a year later being hid from open records requests, which are required by law that we're going to have to go to court to make sure that the citizens of Wisconsin know what the heck happened in Racine. These are the type of hurdles that this committee has had to go through and we as a group have had to work together. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? Yeah, and
0: then just a call from the district attorney like, hey, you got to turn this stuff over." So, I mean, we aren't gonna go into the, the party politics of this, but there is, there is a I mean, that edge is a clear indication that other Republicans aren't necessarily even helping in this.
1: I mean, but think about it. So March, April, May, yeah. June, July, August. This, these, these are open records requests about the election and what your clerks were having conversations with CTCL mm-hmm. and the five other mayors. Think about that. Mm-hmm. These five other mayors were having a competition about how many absentee votes they could bring to the table. And we can't can't talk about that or see their emails. That's a
0: very basic state law. Again, another law that's being broken in plain view with all this, which, you know, at least all the suspicion of other stuff, but...
1: So now we have a governor when we asked for some of these informations and he voted, he voted against all of these bills. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are looking at governor lawless. We really are. We don't want, you want to have third party money, be part of elections prior to the elections, driving out only only part, doing ads. Think you had municipalities buying an RV so they could drive around to turn out the vote. That is not the job of a municipality. The job of the municipality is to make sure that they have voting locations and people know who, what, what, and how not to get a mobile van not to be driving ads or certain think about this these municipalities these five stepped forward and they went so far as to do ads for only specific groups and and it's almost racist they they wanted to only get specific groups including they wanted to make sure that felons got facebook ads so that they know that they could vote what about what about the rest of of the state of Wisconsin. It's a clear violation to only try to reach one group and not the entire state of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, and lawlessness is what's going on here because these are laws, I mean, these were crimes. Nobody's investigating them outside of perhaps your committee. Nobody's being, you know, nobody's being, you know, brought into, <laughs> being asked to explain this in front of a judge, you know? So, and, and on that, um, there was talk this past winter about, hey, this is an a formal investigation. Uh, representative branches committee is going to have subpoena power to bring people in. And I remember hearing about that before uh, even Megan Wolf testified earlier this winter. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, time to bring out the subpoenas. And now it's a big controversy. It's just like, wait a minute, you don't have the power to do that. It seemed pretty certain. Nobody, nobody argued that you didn't have that power back then. So what's, what's happened now?
1: so again we we brought out subpoenas for these two communities that were so heavily involved with ctcl and this michael spitzer rubenstein both the clerk in milwaukee and the clerks in green bay were having regular conversations matter of fact Milwaukee was getting, giving Michael Spitzer-Rubinstein every night absentee ballots to let people know how many were outstanding. Think about that. Every night, and there's not a single open records request that I have gotten from Milwaukee, so it was a standing conversation. Think about that. Hmm. What other standing conversations with, between groups? don't we know about Milwaukee? So yes, the subpoena process, it's a little complicated that if you invite somebody in, they do have the ability to be immune. And so using the subpoena process needs to be, you know, a careful process, right? But they have to
0: come in when you subpoena them.
1: (laughs) The point of the subpoenas is something that the state of Wisconsin hasn't used in almost 50 years. And as a legislature, yes, one of my first jobs is to to write bills that help correct things, and we hope that it becomes law, if it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. The other part is that oversight, and that is the purpose of the subpoenas. The subpoenas have always been in the toolbox for legislators for not just elections, but for all of our committees. And it's very clear that it, it even goes so far as to the executive branch. The point of the legislature the legislature is to make sure that there's oversight, and that subpoena certainly is that ability to ask questions and get to the bottom of things as we represent the citizens of the state of Wisconsin. So, yes, we put subpoenas out, and the first thing the governor says within a day is, hell no. And I, I want people to think about that. The subpoenas are not something that you get to guess or get around or change to in open records. They are a clear indication what we want to get to the bottom of what the concerns are, and we have a fair investigation. The governor does not ever, in the state of Wisconsin, if he's a Republican or a Democrat, does not get to be lawless and say, hell no. The laws are very clear about that, and the point of the subpoenas are that the state of Wisconsin and the calls that we get and the emails that we get and the letters, they want to know the truth about two things. They want to know that the machines are going to be valid, and they want to know that the ballots themselves are legitimate. And that is what we've asked for in broad terms to make sure that nothing is over. But the subpoenas went out to Milwaukee, and the Brown County, a red and a blue County to say, Hey, we want to look at your machines and we want to have that data log information about it. And we want to look at the ballots and make sure that the ballots match up with the taped amount. So, you know, backing up when you put your machine, when you put your ballot into the the machine to count it on election day, the machines don't count the ballots they actually count a picture that it takes from the ballot. And so there are some questions to make sure that the gold standard of counting those ballots would always be legitimate, and then the tapes should follow. And there have been some questions in other states, and if it's Dominion or ES&S, either way, we we want to rebuild faith in our election process and rebuild the opportunity for people to know that their vote counts.
0: You know, and this is, I don't think I've ever, I have no memory of the governor of Wisconsin, any governor ever telling people to just flat out break the law. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there's quite, So, but now people are starting to say, you don't even have the power for subpoenas now. So how, how are you approaching that?
1: So um, as I understand, as we haven't done this in 50 years, so we step forward and, We've gone through chapter eight when we originally wrote these, so I do have the power to request the subpoenas, and then Speaker Voss and or Senator capping on the Senate side has the power to final authorize. So again, 50 years of not having this power, we're this much further in the process, and um, we're, we're gonna continue to push for I think the most important thing, and that is that people are being heard at the ballot box.
0: Now we, we know, I know you went to Arizona and you know, they kind of showed you their operation with um, the bat, with their uh, forensic uh, audits. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, how, how would that translate here in Wisconsin? You know, where are the talks about kind of taking that next step? Cause so far we, you and I have been talking about all the laws that have, that have been broken that we know that we saw being broken. Now we're kind of stepping into, we suspect there was voter fraud and how do we how do we start to uh, get at that
1: so i think the thing that we hear from most being out uh, around the state and being asked to speak at different locations is a lot of people don't trust the machines right mm-hmm. and i think that's a countrywide issue so again being able to do a recheck which we've never done before so on the machines themselves, for the most part, not all clerks, but many clerks are dependent on the manufacturers to do the programming, to help them run election day, and then to finish with audits. And I think from a procedural standpoint, now that we step back, we look at that, we go, well, don't you wanna have some other oversight in the programming? And then to to make sure that there's additional, double checks right Mm -hmm. and and nobody's saying that the clerks or the observers or any of the poll workers have done anything or even the companies but from an election process there's a real opportunity there to do a better job to rebuild confidence in the process so the subpoena what we saw in arizona and what you're seeing is people counting physical ballots to make sure that those numbers match up with the tapes that were given to them by their counties. And, and I, I guess I had never really thought of it that way before, but that was kind of the point of Arizona, not including that we also have all of the information, the data on the machines to allow us to say, hey, was there any opportunity for there to be um, an, an ability to, to, to break in the machines and create a data breach? one of the
0: other things uh, you know we you know talking about just you know the basic recount aspect of this um my understanding is yeah we did a recount in milwaukee county but nobody was really checking to make you know there was no oversight of it you had people observers on the other side of the room and the person counting the ballots pretty much just said yeah they're good take my word for it
1: so i was at the recount in milwaukee and i think it was a very um, disturbing process. I think people walked away not feeling confident. So yes, do we, not only in 2020, but in years going forward, do we need to have a better audit process for elections? And that would be on a variable basis. From what I saw in Milwaukee, you couldn't even get close to the ballots. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is I mean, to build confidence, we have to rebuild confidence in our elections and let people know that they're transparent and fair and having other opportunities to check the data, and, you know, at this point, we only, uh, we only do a check after. We don't do a check during the election itself.
0: All right, so to kind of close this out with your ultimate goals for your committee, and you, you mentioned that one of the goals is to give people confidence that our elections are transparent and fair. So far, all you've done is prove that they aren't.
1: Um, well, um, you know, the concerns that we have with some of the rulings from WEC. Mm-hmm. what we have with CTCL being a third party, driving money into only Democrat communities, and then uh, people's concerns about the ballots themselves and the machines. Yeah, we have plenty of work to do. This is not a one-term thing. It's going to take a while to rebuild it. And, you know, the truth is the truth. And and that is what I think we're hoping to, to get to after so long in waiting.
0: And what do we do with that truth?
1: <laughs> um, well, I, I think we make it public. Yeah. And that people make, how, how, if they're, do we need to correct? How do we correct it? Can we get consensus to correct it? Or are we gonna continue with Governor Lawless?
0: Yeah, and I mean, is there any accountability that, that we end up with on this? I mean, do people, I mean, Do people even have to explain themselves before a judge before this is all over?
1: Uh, That would be my end game, that I think that some of the folks in Green Bay, the mayor and the chief of staff, have a lot of explaining to do. And if people aren't held accountable, then there's no downside to cheating. To me, the state of Wisconsin, I think, has always been considered elections that were fair and transparent. And everything that we've seen this year, makes me kind of rethink things and realize that we have lots of opportunities to build more trust in elections and to pay more attention about the laws we have on the books. Because having laws on the books and making sure that they're applied during elections are certainly one of the things that I think in 2020, we can all sit back and go, we, we need to do a better job. Listen, if people don't believe in fair and transparent elections, They take matters into their own hands, and this is why it's so important that we work together to bring these transparent elections to Wisconsin. Sounds good. Representative, thank you so much for being with us today. A real pleasure, thank you.